Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Well, panel regular Jim Kays is on this morning. Uh, a lot of experience there, but we have a newbie uh, on, and his name is Logan Swinkles. I will tell you a little bit more about Logan Swinkles uh, in the next day or so, uh, but I can tell you right here and now, he's a nice hockey tragic, a sports <laughs> content creator, uh, he has a history uh, in sport at his tender young age. So we'll get to Logan very shortly. We'll just give him time to take a deep breath and start with uh, the experience of Jimmy Kays. And uh, Jimmy Kays, uh, the test match this morning, uh, the Black Caps against South Africa, loving this one. I think the prospect of this is huge. Yeah, it's huge. You're right, huge is a good word. I, I love test match cricket. It's still my favourite format. Uh, and this is certainly an intriguing test series, uh, Smithy, isn't it, South Africa? Uh, coming off that 2-1 uh, series win over India. And the Black Caps were a bit of an unknown. How often do we say that about a Black Caps uh, team in, in the last decade because they've been so consistent? But no Kane Williamson. Uh, obviously no Ross Taylor because he's retired. Uh, Trent Bolt's away um, uh, for the first test, at least on paternity leave. Um, so what sort of a Black Caps performance are we going to get out of the guys that are there? It's, it's, it's intriguing. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I always look forward to the. I love that first over, that first ball, the first session. First mm. everything is, is just superb. So uh, really looking forward to it. But boy, Trent Bolt, I just read his stats here, mate, at Hagley. Uh, he's taken 53 wickets at 21.1 from nine matches there, most by any bowler. So he's a big, he's a big absence, isn't he, for that first test match? He certainly is, uh, Jimmy, and he's being replaced, I would think anyway, by Matt Henry, who's uh, got one for 227, unbelievably, on his home cool. deck in, in two test matches. So, uh, Logan Swinkles, good morning to you, sir. Uh, you're across the, the Black Caps, and uh, uh, a team that, uh, first time since 2008, doesn't have either Kane Williamson or Ross Taylor in the dressing room. Yeah, it's good to be here, Smithy and uh, Jim Kays, and I actually go a long, long way back. So this is nice for my first time to be alongside him. Uh, the Black Caps, really interesting this whole series. Uh, I would admit I've been more of a recent test cricket convert. I've always been, uh, in my younger days, more of an ODI fan. Uh, but back in uh, my last main job, I was over at News Corp, and I had to follow the Australian cricket team. So you'll have to forgive me for uh, my Australian knowledge there. But they kind of did turn me over to test cricket, and I'm really excited about this one uh, at Hagley Oval as well. Of course, we've talked about uh, Devin Conway. He's up against his, you know, his former country, countryman. You know, he was on a heater against the Bangladesh. Uh, looked amazing. A couple of centuries there. But uh, recently, his form hasn't been that great on the local scene, uh, both in the Super Smash and the uh, the Ford Trophy. He did get a 74 not out against Canterbury. But, you know, different forms of the game. Uh, is he really going to turning up the heat against uh, the Proteas instead rise to that challenge. That's what I really want to see because you know those South Africans are going to be chirping him hard out there in the Oval. Uh, so I'm just really hoping Conway lets the bat do the talking this time. Yep. What about I this young guy, uh, Smithy, can I ask you about this young guy, um, Marco Jansen, who's 
He's, um, try, uh, sorry, I just lost. He's 2.03 metres tall. Now, I did a quick Google, yeah. and your old mate Joel Garner was 2.06 metres tall. Um, you would have faced him a fair few times. What was that like? Well, he's a monster. Garner was a, you know, a big man with it. Um, you know, he, he wasn't just... He was big across the shoulders, you know, free axe handles, as they used to say in the old uh, vernacular, Jimmy. <laughs> he was just a huge, huge man. Uh, in all aspects, so I'm told. But uh, this guy is more lean. This more is, uh, right. He's more lean, Marco Jansen, more lean. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and but wiry. But what I did notice against him in uh, the series against uh, India, he doesn't take a backward step. I mean, he's South African, isn't he, Jimmy? So he, he didn't take a yeah, backward step. Yeah. He was in the face. He's, he's new, he's young, he's an all-rounder. Uh, and I think a player that will show uh, a lot of talent in this series and just be uh, a lot of people have come to New Zealand with big reputations, of course, on our pitches and failed. So all eyes on yes. uh, this uh, South African side. Uh, Jimmy, um, Silver Lake deal, done and dusted, I hear. Yeah, done and dusted. Uh, big announcement from New Zealand Rugby today saying that, uh, that they've finally done the deal. Um, and that's great. My question here is whose reputations have been sullied by this? On which side? The Players Association, maybe, uh, is it Rob Nickel, is it Mark Robinson, whatever, because it, this has been an, un, an unsightly, un, uncomfortable squabble between the two sides of New Zealand rugby. There's clearly been a lot of concessions made. We know that it's a very different deal to what New Zealand rugby came out with, what was it, a year, maybe 18 months ago. Does that mean that New Zealand rugby presented a poor... Uh, proposal back then doesn't mean that you know the players' association was correct with all of the protests that they put up up at the time, and they were portrayed often, uh, particularly by the likes of uh, Brent Impey as being greedy and selfish. Uh, but there seems to have been a lot of shift towards their towards their way. So I think I think there's there needs to be time for us to drill down a bit into this and to have a look at them and say, well, okay, mm. um, you know, whose reputation has been damaged by this because when there's been so much compromise, you've got to wonder, mate, what was the first deal? What were the credentials of that first deal that were put forward? And that, at the time, New Zealand rugby stuck to so rigidly. And let's not forget, at the time, New Zealand rugby, they accused the Players Association of greed, and the Players Association said, we don't want anything to do with Silver Lake. They don't have the interest of the game at heart. So those are two pretty black and white positions to be in, and now to come to this. So... Wonderful that they've agreed this deal, but I think both sides need to have a look at the stances that they took a year or so back and and really have a look at their own internal integrity, I think, because neither one, in my opinion, has come out of this um, looking looking good for the way that they behaved over the last year or so. No, I totally agree. Um, it's it's a smaller, uh, by, by all accounts, smaller deal um, financially. I haven't really got to uh, the brass tacks myself, Jimmy. I'll have mm, to do that mm. after the show. But uh, we hope to talk to Rob Nicholl a little bit later in the morning and see uh, what his aspect of, a, of the deal is because, of course, he was, along with David Kirk, one of the uh, people that spoke up against the original proposal. So uh, I think, Logan, the most important thing, though, is uh, through it all, uh, where's the money going to filter down to? And, and uh, I would imagine 
And now that it's been cut, some uh, smaller unions might be thinking they're going to get a check. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, money talks here. You know, we're trying to come out of a pandemic, hopefully, and uh, every little bit of money is going to really help these smaller clubs. You know, we we hear them talk of this trickle-down effect and, you know, they're talking big numbers and, you know, it sounds really promising and you hear the PR spin about them, you know, with their digital technologies at Silver Lake and what they can do to really help drive innovation for New Zealand rugby. Like, that's really great to hear. You know, hopefully that really pushes things uh, on the global stage for New Zealand and pushes our brand and the sport to uh, other countries that may not be so aware of it time will tell but then on the local scene there you know you've got the the little clubs that might be struggling there how much money are they really going to get what what you know benefit will they see so again like Jim says you know we kind of just need to sit down read this out and see what happens but I do think this is promising I, I don't think this is New Zealand rugby selling its soul completely you know there was obviously a bit of back and forth there on what the stake would be and I mean you know rugby's been professional since 1995 this is just part of it it's it gets commercial so uh, just hopefully, yeah, we'll see uh, the little grassroots rugby get a bit of, bit of, bit of a cut. And that's Absolutely. important. That uh, grassroots Jim, rugby yeah, bit. Is, 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 sorry, Smithy, but that grassroots rugby. I was just chatting uh, before coming on here with uh, Chris Boyd, the former Hurricanes Wellington coach who's now at North, um, Northampton Saints. And he said to me that when he was, a, when he was playing, his club, Tala, had 11 senior teams and they've, they've now got three. He said when he was playing, and, and he's only a little bit older than me, uh, the, you know, it was standing room only on a Saturday night. And, and those clubs, none of that happens now. They don't get money through the bar. They're not getting people into the club. They're struggling to field teams. So if New Zealand rugby want rugby to continue to be the, the number one sport in New Zealand, if, if it still is, you know, but, but our national game and, and continue to be this production line of players, then boy, oh boy, the grassroots need a lot of attention because they haven't, they're not withering, they're, they're dying. Uh, and if we, don't, if, we, if we don't pay drastic attention to the production line of players and, and what used to be a big fabric of society, it used to be that you played rugby in winter and cricket in summer, uh, you know that's that's gone. There are so many options for people, for young boys to play sport, uh, young boys and girls to play sport now, uh, and rugby is competing with that. And and I just hope, Smithy, that some of this money is directed to the absolute grassroots, so that they can remain viable and sustainable, and that production line of of players r- remains. Otherwise, the game's in serious trouble. Yeah, well, I suppose that falls uh, under the. Uh, headline of community rugby, headline community rugby, uh, Jimmy. That's Steve Lancaster's uh, boat, isn't it? That he's uh, he's steering at the moment. So we'll just uh, we might catch up with him next week and see if he's expecting uh, something to go his way. Uh, but Jim, always every year before a competition starts, we hear from uh, the referees uh, about what they intend to do, the little um, nuances that they're hoping to change in the game. And uh, this time, I think the whole theme is around again. Speeding it up. Are you across these? Uh, um, what the, the directives I've had? Yeah, I've I've had a bit of a read of it, and you know, yes, we want a fast game. Well, I I, I think we need to redirect our attention away from the referees and put it fairly on the players and the coaches because they are the ones who will determine really what style of rugby we get. If they're going to continue to cheat, if they're going to continue to do whatever. Um, and, and man, I was a loose forward. I cheated as much as I could because I was too slow otherwise. So it, it's the way that, that the players want to play the game. It's the way that the coaches want to coach the game. That ultimately will decide what sort of entertainment we get to watch. And, and remember, this, they are in the entertainment industry. So yes, the referees can do so much. They can do, they can do what they do. 
but the pressure, the onus, the emphasis really has to go back on the coaches and the players to coach a style of rugby that's entertaining and to play a style of rugby that's entertaining and within that to play to the rules. You know, it's, it's been obvious for years that we want the player, the, the tackle line to come down. Little things like that, I don't see enough of a shift in, and that's from the coaches and from the players. You know, if they want to drastically reduce the tackle height, they can do that. They'll coach it, and they'll enforce it within their own team. So, I love it when the referees come out with what they with what they want, but really, it's the players and the coaches, and that's where our pressure should be going on. You guys need to produce a style of game that we all want to watch, and that's going to be entertaining for us to watch, and that people are going to pay money to watch. Mm. And kids are going to want to play as well. I think is one of the yes. factors too, Jimmy. That's yes. involved yes. here. Getting back to your getting back to your other point. So, uh, uh, Logan, uh, I've uh, looked at uh, two or three of the aspects they're looking at, uh, and they're hoping, uh, hoping if they can, to take the TMO out of play a lot more. In fact, just to uh, to look at specific things rather than general play. In other words, have less of a presence. That can only be good. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You know, throwing out the uh, captain's challenge there, all about speeding up the game. I mean, you know, just listening to you and Jim go back and forth on that, it just reminds me of the NRL and Peter Volandi's the big dog there at Australian Rugby League going in and doing everything he can to speed up the game and make it a more exciting product. So, again, is this, you know, New Zealand, we're trying to do the same thing. Let's make rugby more entertaining to get more people watching. Um, less stoppages, less stopping for the TMO and slowing things down the better because I mean we're all been there we're, we watch a game we get really into it and then things get niggly and you know you have to break things down and it could be like a five minute stoppage and you've lost all that momentum so anything that can kind of adjust that but you know still keep the game fair and making sure all the right calls are being made it is definitely a very tricky balance to strike so uh, I guess we'll see this season how it goes Jimmy we've changed tack considerably here uh, what about the the Mark Todd scenario here? It's a historical. Um, it's historical uh, in that respect. It's an old an old video clip. Mm. Um, I, I doubt very much if it's the only time he's ever done it, and he's probably done it since that video clip as well. So, uh, what about this? Is this going to blow over, or uh, because of his stature, is it not? Um, well, other things in his past have blown over, haven't they? Uh, and he's he's moved on and, and continued to be successful. Um, there wasn't perhaps the video evidence that there is of this. It is an awful, awful video to watch. It's an appalling way to treat an animal, um, and he's really only come out and apologised because he's been potted for it, you know. As you say, we, we could probably surmise it's not the first, not the last, you know, first time he's done it. Certainly probably did do it past that. Uh, I just think it's yeah, it's awful. It's, it's, it's awful to see, and um, will it stick with him? I don't know, mate. He seems to be a little bit Teflon. Seems to be a little bit Teflon, Sir Mark. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether it was... Will it sully his reputation any more than the Curly one did back in 20 years ago? I, I, I don't... Probably not. Except maybe, except maybe, Smithy, because this is directly re- re- uh, related to his passion, his occupation, what he's famous for, horses, mm. you know? So when you see a, a man who's famous for horses beating a horse with a stick uh, to get it to cross some water, maybe that will stick to him a little bit more than some of the other indiscretions did. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm waiting with bated breath about this. To be fair, uh, uh, I'm not going to I'm not thinking it's going to go away this time around. So uh, life's mm-hmm. changed. Uh, life's changed a lot since Mark Todd even won on charisma. Uh, I think it's fair to yes. say. 
Uh, okay, uh, let's look at uh, something completely different. Right up your alley then, Logan Swinkles. Are we looking at a miracle on ice this time in the Winter Olympics? Remember the miracle on ice back in uh, before you were born? Way, way back. Soviet uh, Union? Yeah, yeah, that is going way, way back. Uh, Smithy, this is my Super Bowl, the women's hockey gold medal match. Uh, it's just after 5pm today. I can't wait for it. I'm going to be glued to that TV. I'm making sure my uh, young daughter, Madison, will be as well. It's a perfect game to watch uh, while you're having your dinner. Uh, this is just USA and Canada going at it head-to-head like they always do. You know, there's been talk about, and the, this was a rubbish article that came out by the Toronto Star saying that women's hockey shouldn't even be in the Winter Olympics because it's just USA and Canada. And I was like, well, okay, then why do you have men's basketball in the summer? Because you just have the dream team, right? Well, this is just the best on best, and it is so exciting. It is so fast. Uh, team USA are looking to defend their gold medal, but, of course, Canada have just come out firing uh, in these uh, Winter Olympics in Beijing. Just absolutely amazing performances. They're breaking records, looking to break more records uh, as they just keep scoring, and... I, I mean, I'm definitely going to see it. I, I feel like this is going to be a Canada victory. Uh, Marie uh, Philippe Poulin, the captain, she lives for these games. You know, under the most recent IIHF World Champs, again, USA versus Canada in that final. Uh, Poulin won it for them 3 2 in overtime. You're just going to see these big name players really stepping up. And it is the showcase event for this sport, the gold medal match. Um, it, you know, women's ice hockey in general is in an interesting uh, form at the moment. You know, they don't have a big national league like the men do and they're trying to push for that and this is the event to really sell the sport so uh, I hope people tune in and watch it today because honestly I think if you haven't seen it before this will be the game that will really convert you to the game of ice hockey Jimmy you're um, a good old arbitrator in matters of uh, New Zealand sports history so where does uh, Zoe Zadowski Senate sit for you we're quite often we're a bit knee jerky and we get carried away with what's just happened but we've had a a couple of days now to reflect on this performance. Where does, where does it rate for you? Uh, the, this performance rates right up there, uh, particularly because with the, with the gold medal that she won, she did it from such a clutch position, having to, to, to win the gold with her last run. Um, put that slightly to the side. You cannot dismiss someone who has won all three uh, medals at an Olympic Games. I think like a lot of people, Smithy, I'm, I'm completely, really ignorant when it comes to the Winter Olympics and and a lot of, you know, I don't know a half pipe from a full pipe. I mean, I'm going to watch Nick Porteous this afternoon purely because, you know, he's a Kiwi competing and it's at a time that I can watch and those sorts of things. So we get excited about it from that perspective. But you just can't knock the fact that she has won three Olympic medals. Uh, she's won our first ever gold. She's the first athlete to win two medals uh, at a Winter Olympics. It's one heck of a performance. She's only 20 years old. And, you know, I would say that is that deserves to sit alongside what Lisa Carrington did uh, at, the, at the Summer Olympics last year. It is a phenomenal performance. And you only need to look at the excitement around it and the, the number of people who are talking about it, the number of people who know her name uh, to, to know how far it sort of penetrated into the New Zealand uh, sporting scene. So well, well done to her. And, and as I say, I would put it alongside what Lisa Carrington did in, in a kayak last year. Jimmy Case, thank you very much for your time this morning. Rugby kicking off shortly, so you will be a very busy boy. And uh, Logan Swinkles, uh, more about Logan coming up uh, in the next day or so, folks, uh, here on SENZ. Thanks to the panel this morning.